Rabbit, rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit. Hey, everyone. I'm Amit Parikh, and with me is Dave Orlandi. Dave and I are senior consultants with Quest Software, and we offer up this podcast delivered the first of every month, hence the name, and discuss topics relevant to the IT industry with an emphasis around database performance. Hopefully, everybody's going to have a, you know, a great new year ahead. Hopefully, I don't carry too many you know, uh, bold or sort of like emphatic resolutions. But generally speaking, there's always a couple of things that you want to make sure that you do every year, right, as you go in, right? And sometimes that relates to cleaning house. But what about you, uh, Clay? I mean, do you believe in resolutions? Nothing specific. Think kind of about a general plan for the year and what I'm going to get done this year. And, and you know, particularly being here in, in a not so huge house, but a, you know, reasonably sized house on a, on a farm. Um, there are things I, I say, yeah, okay, I want to get this done this year. I want to get that done, um, you know, in terms of improvement. Like last year, I said, well, I want to get a bunch more trees planted. And, and sure enough, we got a bunch of trees planted this year. So that was a kind of a project. So I have some, you know, overriding sort of projects and things I want to want to work on during the year. And, and uh, some get done, some don't, but no real big resolution, although, yeah, the the first question there: Are you superstitious? Um, yeah, my family is from the south, and so one of our superstitions, if you will, is is Hoppin' John. You know, always eat Hoppin' John on New Year's. Have that. That's black eyed peas and rice and bacon and stuff for mm. people that are from yeah, the south. But, I, uh, I I live in the south, and I actually did not know what that was, but um, <laughs> that sounds delicious. Actually, it is. Uh, it, it, it's really pretty good, and like I say, the the tradition is if you eat Hoppin' John on New Year's Day, you'll you'll uh, have a good year. <laughs> and, and there you go. Uh, what what a nice uh, layup for me with uh, our our <laughs> the name of our podcast uh, having just that. You know, good luck uh, by by saying rabbit rabbit, and also a similar story, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I exactly. you know, and I'm with you. I I kind of make a to do list, but in part because. I think uh, there is some superstition tied to it, right? Uh, you know, if you don't have any kind of resolutions, you know, maybe that's bad luck. So I, I kind of get the, a plan together in order uh, for the year as well. So uh, I particularly like the, the story you uh, shared with me uh, not too long ago about, uh, 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 or, or your mother's quote. Maybe maybe you can finish that for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we lived in Hawaii for a number of years, and while we were there. Mauna Kea erupted on the Big Island. The lava flow was headed. The lava flow was headed right for a subdivision. People all got together, and the Hawaiian uh, legend is that you know Madame Pele is the goddess of the volcano, right? And when the volcano erupts, it's because she's angry. Something has gone wrong, and she's gotten angry, and you have to appease her. And the way you appease her is you uh, give her a bottle of gin and tea leaves, a ti, the taro plant. Um, leaves. And so, you know, while the eruption was going on, they got a Hawaiian priestess to go up and, and she went up to the edge of the uh, volcano crater in the lava flow and threw in a bottle of gin and some tea leaves. And sure enough, the eruption uh, or the lava flow uh, got down to within a couple hundred yards of the subdivision and then turned and diverted and stopped. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, uh, and, and then a couple of years later, there was another eruption, another lava flow and another eruption and this time um it was on an area that a subdivision that had been built up on a, a piece of ground that the hawaiians considered sacred and there were some 
uh, some sort of sacred meaning to this particular piece of ground. And so they went to the priestess again, and she said, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, because this is your punishment for building on that ground. And <laughs> sure, sure enough, you know, the, the uh, lava flow came down and wiped out the subdivision. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say I, I, you know, completely buy into the old Hawaiian religions and everything like that. But um, as my mother used to say, you, you know, you ignore that stuff at your peril. You know, I mean, there's a long That's, history of those things, and and they wouldn't they wouldn't have done them if they hadn't worked. And uh, so precisely, precisely. Pay attention, you know. I love that quote. Love that quote. So Clay, uh, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you having having you on this uh, this episode with us. Um, just so everybody knows, you know, Clay is also uh, an esteemed colleague of ours on our systems consulting team here at Quest. Uh, we'll get into sort of his background and sort of his interests, but, you know, as a, as a former DBA, right, as a former practitioner, is there any relevance uh, when it comes to superstitions or even resolutions when it comes to being a practitioner? I'm just curious, oh, yeah. right? Because yeah. I, I'm thinking, right? Ignore at your peril. So, are you doing this? Are are you doing the same sort of thing before an upgrade, or perhaps even a migration? <laughs> well, not not so much that, but uh, little things like um, you know, uh, trying to be prepared all the time. Um, I was in. Uh, search and rescue for a number of years in the in the the commander base side of of search and rescue doing mapping and and documentation and logging and all those kind of things and um you know we had some really hard and fast rules about uh for example enforcing rest right you know uh you get into these multi-day missions or multi-day things going on and people get burned out and tired and then it's yeah go home get some sleep you know you can't keep going even though you want to keep going forever you really can't um you know and 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 the, the human body and human mind have have limits and also things like, um, uh, you know, checklists, um, make checklists for everything. There's a real good book, uh, a doctor wrote called the checklist manifesto, you know, and, and there's mm -hmm. a reason airline pilots and, and doctors and people like that all have, um, checklists they go through that are written down or, or proceduralized, or, you know, in the case of pilots, they're on the computer screens they use. So they actually have to tap a button and say, yeah, we did this, we did that, you know, right. Put your hand on the button and and and, and things like that, and, and I've always tried to apply those things to um, you know my work as a DBA or my work in in systems to make sure that you know the systems we provide are reliable and effective and up and running at all times, and and so yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarity, and and, and I guess just um, common sense, um, yeah, you know. Uh, like I, another saying that goes around is, you know, proper prior planning prevents poor performance. You know? So, you know, five P's, right? That's right. Uh, yep. And Clay, if I recall, uh, you and I started right around the same time at Quest uh, back in 2012, and we yep. were within yeah. uh, a couple months yeah. of each other, I, I, yeah. if I recall. So, yeah. Uh, can you share with us a little bit how how did your uh, your previous life and your previous work experience uh, bring you to Quest? <laughs> well, it's, I've always been, well, not always, but uh, very early in my career, I kind of branched off into the data business and, and got involved with databases and DBA work. And um, uh, one of the other things I've, I've always tried to do is, you know, I, I really like doing a lot of varied and a lot of different things. I've got a very broad range of 
interests and things. And, and in fact, I tend to get distracted. I think maybe I had ADD and was never diagnosed with it because I'm always, you know, <laughs> oh, that's a cool, that's something cool. I want to learn more about that. And, and I'll go Squirrel. off. On the, uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll go off on a tangent, but, um, you know, one of the, in fact, one interview question, I, one of my bosses asked me, where do you, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, well, <laughs> I want to work myself out of a job. I don't want to be doing the same, you know, mundane, uh, you know, repetitive things that I probably have to do to start out and, and build databases and so on. You know, a lot of stuff can be automated, right? So automate yeah. everything you can, obviously. And that kind of led to tools. And, and we looked at tools at various companies and Quest kept coming up as a, um, a tool vendor and, and um, you know, looking at the different things that were going on in terms of monitoring tools and and database management tools and so on. And of course, Toad and, and all the other great products that Quest has. And I found I was pitching those inside one company and one, you know, kind of one at a time, right? I go to a company and I'd say, oh, we need tools. Okay, well, let's look at Quest and evaluate Quest. And uh, we did, did a different number of bake-offs at different companies. And nine times out of 10, Quest came up the winner. And so I Finally, when when uh, my last oh, year, that was uh, a little shameless plug there. I, like <laughs> yeah. that, I, I see what you did there, Clay. Great job. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my my last gig where when I I got done with that, and it's time to look for something new. And I said, well, rather than you know just pitching Quest and tools and, and helping helping one company at a time, how about if I uh, ask Quest if they need somebody like me who can help lots of companies? <laughs> so <laughs> here I am. Um, how, tell us a little bit about what you may have been doing with SharePlex and with replication before you came to Quest, if at all. Well, yeah. One of the things that yeah, I worked at a large financial institution, um, and we had regulators everywhere. They're almost as regular. You know, next thing to being a doctor or medical re regulation is uh, financial institutions, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly in, in the climate uh, now and. <laughs> The institution I was at was was actually part of that. It was it was Wamu. I'll go ahead and say you know I was, right. I was at Wamu and I rode Wamu down all the way into the crash and the acquisition and so on. And so very highly regulated. And one of the regulations was that you have to have a DR plan and you have to have disaster recovery. And uh, since we were located in Seattle, our DR system couldn't be located in Seattle. So we'd acquired a bank in Texas and had a big data center in Texas and. So we said, okay, well, let's set up our um, disaster site in Texas. And we started out with just, you know, tape backups, right? Um, shipping tapes between, this is many years ago, of course, but shipping tapes between Seattle and Texas. Um, and that didn't work so well. And we said, oh, okay, you know, that's kind of slow and awkward. And we wind up with data that's three days old by the time it gets to Texas. So, you know, we'll lose three days worth of transactions or data right away if we have to fail over and so that didn't work so we said let's look at something else and at that time this is back in the uh, early 90s um replication was just uh just starting right just coming into the in, in into fruition you know people were talking about doing it and in fact wamu actually had uh golden gate before they got bought by oracle as a replication tool, sucking data out of ATMs and putting them into our big mainframe system. So Golden Gate did that. And we looked and we asked Golden Gate, you know, hey, can you do anything with Oracle to Oracle? And they said, well, no. And we looked and there was Quest and there was Shareplex. And we said, oh, well, let's take a look at that. And we took a look at it and decided it would 
pretty well meet our needs. And so we installed it and sure enough, it did meet our needs and we used that. So we had, you know, pretty much instantaneous failover or, or pretty seamless failover. We allowed for a little bit of recovery time because when you're doing replication, you know, there's always, you can always come up with a scenario where you're going to lose a little bit of data, but um, mm-hmm. the, the idea is to minimize that and make that as small as possible. We did that. So we set up ShareFlex and we'd come in the middle of the night on a, Sunday at the end of a quarter, beginning of a quarter, and we'd stop all our systems for a few seconds and move all the users over from Dallas, from uh, Seattle to Dallas, and then uh, bring up the Dallas system and uh, bring the users up there, and they run in Dallas for a quarter, and then they'd come back and run in Seattle um, the next quarter, and so on. And we, and we use that to demonstrate to the regulators that yeah, we really do have a DR plan, and we can really use it and fail over because look, we're doing it every quarter. You know, and so that worked out pretty well. And I've used that as an example in a lot of cases where I talk to customers about SharePlex. And it's actually, really, it was really easy to set up. You know, not easy to set up really, but once it got set up, it was very easy to maintain and to run. So, perhaps you could just take a step back for just the benefit of the audience. What is replication? How how would you best define replication? You had mentioned it specifically, proving the DR use case there. You know, in, in, in sort of the slant and the sort of the overarching initiative that was there for compliance, right? Yeah. But um, how would you define replication to our audience? Uh, well, Spe- specifically with databases in yeah. mind and, and, well, and, and data centers. Database replication in general is uh, taking two copies of uh, your data and keeping them in sync, making, um, you know, the, the, the source copy, if you will, to use SharePlex terms, the source and the target copies of the data look the same and stay the same at all times. And that's, you use replication to do that. Um, and there's different kind of flavors of replication. You can, you know, replicate data at the file system where you're taking file system blocks and so on and moving them from server A to server B or point A to point B. Um, or you can do it at the logical level, which is where SharePlex does it, where we look at the database and see what changed and then take those changes and apply them to the uh, target database. So um, that, that's, you know, SharePlex is what we, what we would call logical replication. Uh, At, let me ask you, uh, so you described earlier uh, the disaster recovery uh, use case. Um, can, you, can you share two or three other primary use cases that you find data replication a, a critical consideration? Oh, yeah, yeah. There are lots of them. Actually, we have nine or ten different use cases we uh, we talk about all the time, but then another big one, is, and in fact, the first one that SharePlex was really built for was not DR, but for um, reporting, uh, report offloading. You know, you got a big system, big OLTP system, and uh, it's doing, you know, a couple hundred or a couple thousand transactions a second against some very nice, well-tuned small tables or, you know, big tables, but with good indexes and so on. And then along comes somebody and says, doing an, an analyst and says, you know, I want to know how many widgets we sold uh, in each store by store uh, for the last 10 years, right? And so they launched the, you know, select star from uh, three different tables where a bunch of conditions are true and so on. And all of a sudden performance on your system grinds to a halt, right? Because this query, what we, what we call a query from hell, has you know blown all your memory and your indexes and so on out of the water and, and now now things are slow for everybody right so 
an order taker comes in and wants to take an order or a customer logs into your system and wants to take an order and it takes five minutes to bring back a, a record, right? Uh, so that, well, that's unacceptable, right? So how do you solve that? Well, there are lots of ways to solve it. You can buy bigger hardware, buy more hardware, um, uh, or you can take that query that was running against that production database and move it to run it against the copy of the production database, a replica of the production database. And so uh, that's what happened. And in fact, at WAMU, we did that. We, we, start, we started with a DR use case. We said, oh, yeah, we need, we need DR. We need a long distance. So we have to use something like SharePlex. You know, we can't use Rack or something like that because it can't be local to the, even the same city. So it's got to be distant. But then we looked at it and we said, hey, you know, when we're running in Seattle, we've got this data here sitting here in Dallas that's got all the same data and it's reasonably up to date. It's a couple of minutes behind, but it's reasonably up to date. Why can't we do our big reporting off the data center in Dallas? So we started doing, doing that and uh, lo and behold, we got back about 30% of our uh, capacity on our LTP system by doing that. We actually put off a hardware upgrade for a couple of years. We we're planning on doing a hardware upgrade and we said, well, let's, before we do the hardware upgrade, let's move you know, move, let's do some offloading. And we did that and moved it over. So that, you know, sp saved us a lot of money actually uh, by kind of having that DR database do double duty. But, but that was another great use case for SharePlex. Um, another one we run into quite a bit is uh, migrations, upgrades, and patches, right? Um, you want to migrate your database from Oracle uh, 11 to Oracle 19 or Maybe you've decided you want to move off of uh, AIX hardware to Linux hardware, to commodity hardware. Um, well, the traditional way you do that would be take your system down because you need a consistent copy of your system. You don't want people changing it while you're making a copy. You bring it up in Linux environment, which might take, you're going to use export import, so that might, that might take, you know, in some cases, days, right? So during that time, your users are out of business. They're, they're not doing anything because uh, you can't, make changes and not have those changes appear in your new environment. So you bring your new environment up and uh, you cross your fingers, hope it works and move everyone over to over there to it. And if it didn't work, uh, now you've got a bigger problem because you've got data that was entered in the new system. And how do you get that data back to the old system? You have to fall back to your old system. Well, with SharePlex, we can solve that problem and let you do your migration with almost no downtime, no perceptible downtime to your users and with the ability to fail back if you need to and keep the transactions moving when you fail back. And the way we do that is before you make your copy, you start SharePlex on your source system, sucking the data out and sucking all the changes out and just storing them. Don't, don't do anything with them, just store them and keep them available. You make your copy to a consistent point in the database, an SCN in Oracle's case, system change number. And then you restore that copy to your new database and you tell SharePlex, hey, SharePlex, take those transactions you, you saved and apply them to the new database. And, uh, oh, by the way, keep applying transactions in the new database. So now all of a sudden you're caught up. You get an old copy and a new copy of your database. They're in sync. They look identical. One's running on AX. One's running on Linux. And instead of having to do a big, you know, cut over and lot, take a lot of downtime, you just shut your two systems down for four or five minutes, maybe your users over to the new environment and they're up and running in the new environment. At the same time, we can take that new environment, we can capture the transactions the users put in there so that, you know, if a day after you move over or a week after you move over to your new environment, you discover, well, 
there's we're getting really bad performance or something happening or maybe the hardware fails or we didn't take something into consideration where we got to fail back we got to go back to our old ax environment you take the transactions we captured from your new environment apply them to your old environment and you're back up and running again no data loss so we can take the uh, take the the risk out of out of a migration by doing that. That's a big use case for us. You know, I was in the mindset that a company would choose to invest in something like Shareplex for a particular reason, but you just gave several compelling use cases that I imagine are pretty popular, and like you said, several at a particular company. So you could be choosing to go with a solution like Shareplex for several of these use cases, not just one. Exactly. And and in some cases, it almost comes along kind of free. I mean, in the case of WAMU, we had, you know, DR up and running, right? So now we've got two systems. We've already invested in the hardware and the software and all that for keeping the two systems up and running. We didn't have to license a new version of SharePlex to do that because it's already there. Now, you know, if you wanted to have separate DR system and a, and a reporting system, then you might need to license one version, one copy of SharePlex to do that. But again, the, the incremental investment is very small and you already know how to use it, you know, the same tool, right? So uh-huh. kind of a, a multi-purpose tool, a Swiss Army right. knife, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of taking a tangent here, but you know, sort of relating it to this whole topic around replication. The DBA's role has changed over the years. It's not just Oracle that DBAs are dealing with nowadays. So perhaps you can talk to us about how things have changed from your perspective when you look at the landscape of data, where we're seeing the shifting of paradigms taking place where data resides. What are your thoughts on sort of the future of how replication is going to be managed and sort of how that dovetails to how the DBA's role has transformed over the years. Well, yeah, the DBA's role has changed considerably. And back when I started being a DBA, we were concerned a lot with typical stuff, right? Um, You know, eking out the highest possible level of performance from the database. And, and, And the data was important, obviously, you know, we wouldn't be storing it if it wasn't, but data was the kind of the end product. A lot of the mundane day-to-day management stuff that the DBAs used to do in terms of performance. And so lots of tools and the proliferation of uh, automation has moved the DBA's job. But in a way, I think it's great because what that lets the DBA do is focus on the content of the data, right? Uh, why is this data important to the business? Replication is a, is a huge way to, to make that happen. So thanks for your time. This has been a very interesting discussion here, Clay. I'd certainly like to replicate this one down the road at some point. So, Clay, really, thank you so much for sure. joining us today. Um, we, uh, we would love to have you back at some point in the future to maybe talk about some of our other solutions and technologies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This has been fun. This is great. Yes. Well, thank every- you, Clay. Yeah. And everybody have a happy new year. And uh, thanks for joining us on this yeah. Rabbit Rabbit podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>